Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker. Through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscape of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Brolin Maweje, a snowboarding Olympic hopeful representing Uganda, a sponsored rider for Burton, and a medical student pursuing his MD. He's also passionate about history, learning to garden, and having the biggest positive impact he can have on the world. We spoke about his recent focus on transitions, how snowboarding is his vehicle for impact, and his summer of introspection. Good morning, Brolin, and thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to join me here in Jackson. Good morning, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I know you got to hang out with some family while you were here. You also got to play in the mountains. And then later this afternoon, you're driving back down to Salt Lake. I did. Yeah, I got to see my mom here in Jackson and see my sister and um, planning to drive back to Salt Lake, uh, you know, in a couple of hours just before the light goes. Right on. And I know that life is based kind of split between these two spots, wintertime up here and then rest of the year down in Salt Lake. And you, you got a pretty busy schedule down there between your medical studies, your training for the Olympics. Uh, what's life like down there for you now, given all the, the changes that we've all gone through due to COVID and obviously uh, how that impacts, you know, your schooling or your training or anything else for that matter? Yeah, I mean, Thank you so much for asking. I would say life right now, since we're currently in summer, um, it's weird. You know, we just came out of COVID, like you mentioned, and we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. Uh, for myself, usually summers I spend in the Southern Hemisphere, um, really chasing snow. But this year it's a little different. I've spent majority of my summer kind of um, nose deep into books and a little bit more into the medical side of things and studying uh, I picked up tutoring also this summer, which was pretty cool for me and uh, kind of diving back and working with students. Uh, and also just, you know, waiting to get my body ready for snow. Right on. And, and we're going to talk a good amount about that aspect of your life, but just mm-hmm. in terms of the medical side of things. So you've been, you've been tracking for what degree ultimately, what's your end goal if you could, if you can get there in terms of <laughs> how you want to be in the world of medicine? I mean, if I could get down the long marathon, uh, I'd like to, you know, right now I have the MPH, um, which is a little more specific in the epidemiology side of things and uh, field of like kind of disease like we're going through with COVID. But the dream is to have the MD and also have a little bit of the sports therapy or sports medicine side of things. Right on. Um, so, and for those who don't know what MPH is, what Masters of Public Health? Yeah, that's a Masters in Public Health. But I, I emphasized a little bit. I went with the epidemiology and global health just because uh, I really like the study of disease. And, you know, growing up in Uganda, disease is uh, something you like to study. Yeah, this is a useful <laughs> skill to have. A little bit, yeah. And then in terms of the, the tutoring with the students, is that something new for you? I used to tutor when I was in college. So I was a TA when I was in college and, um, you know, to kind of try to help myself learn, I picked up tutoring here and there, some high school students. And I think uh, it's a good way to dive back into like material. Right on. And in terms of, um, obviously you said it helps you learn, mm-hmm. you know, now what would you say the, the value or the joy you get from, from doing it is? Uh, I mean, 
the older I grow, the more I kind of get curious with keeping my brain a little bit alive. And it's just nice to see, you know, what the next generation has to, to learn and kind of the processing of information and the change of like, you know, just kind of learning brute information to critical thinking and having people have a little more thought to the information they're learning. So I think it's cool. It is awesome. And um, in terms of what's going on with snowboarding and you, I know you're, you know, you're sponsored by Burton and a few others and you know, you were on this nice track for the Olympics and then you had an injury. Mm -hmm. And then I know that you were, um, you've been actively trying to train for the next iteration of the Olympics, but give us a sense of where all this is at. Yeah. Um, I just joined the Burton team, which is, uh, you know, one of the, I would say it's the biggest honor that I've ever had in snowboarding, a kind of a dream come true. And, um, both exciting and never working at the same time. And like you mentioned, I've just kind of been on this journey to try to pursue snowboarding at the highest, uh, I would say at the highest competitive stage, uh, which for myself will be representing Uganda in the Olympics. Um, but really with the COVID and everything that, that has happened in the past few seasons, uh, it's the pursuit of trying to be the best snowboarder I can be. And so if something happens with the Olympics, you know, everything from COVID continues to cause us difficulty and, and who knows, maybe the Olympics doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, maybe something happens and you're not, you're not going, what does your snowboard career look like for you, um, outside of the Olympics? I think my snowboarding career just continues outside of the Olympics, you know, whether it happens or not, it just is, um, right now for me, I look at it as like, I'm a Burton writer, you know, and with that brings a little pedigree and kind of prestige that you're trying to chase. Um, which means, you know, working on whether it's the biggest skills or the smallest skills and perfecting them to that level of Burton rider. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to push myself to be one of the, one of the best snowboarders or belong in the crowd of the, those guys. Yeah. And I see some of the stuff you put out on, on social media and whether you're literally on snow or you're, you know, in the, in the training park, you know, on the trampolines or what have you. So not to give up all your secrets, but what are you working on right now that you feel like is going to push your, your skill set to the next level? I'd say right now it's a transition. So, you know, the bigger, the contests, the bigger, the venues, um, you know, means bigger builds, bigger jumps, which means a little more technique. Um, and for myself, not having been a traditionally trained, what I like to say, classical trained snowboarder, uh, there's a lot of catch up that I've had to play in my snowboarding career. And, you know, the pinnacle of that is transition, you know, being able to put all that together into a competitive course, especially on like a slope style World Cup level slope style courses. So, you know, meaning the way that you transition from feature to feature? Both transitioning from feature to feature, but also transition as in the literal aspect of like the vertical transition has been added into the course. So they kind of, um, the bigger the sport is being pushed and the more people are learning tricks, the more um, I think the community, the builders, the judges are trying to figure out who's a good writer and who has mastered just writing a certain course. Um, and for myself, it's, there's a lot of these quarter pipes that are being put into the courses and, you know, understanding how to ride those efficiently, safely, and really push myself on those type of features. And, and I don't know if this is how you were explaining it, but what I was pulling from you is that there's like not only the transitions of jumps, right. As the yeah. courses get bigger at the highest level, the literally the scope and size of the features is bigger. So there's mm-hmm. the, 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 
adapting to the transitions as they grow. But then also, I think what you were saying too, is, is the transition overall of the sport, whether what the expectations of the judges, um, the, the, the way that other riders have progressed and you keeping up or, or, yeah. you know, is that what you're kind of driving for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I want to make sure I didn't miss. <laughs> I mean, that word transition means a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah. So right on. And then maybe the question that a lot of people have sometimes, and you may have answered this a million times over is, you know, pursuing any one of these things mm-hmm. by itself is a full-time job, a lot of energy, a lot of focus. You've got med school, you've got Olympics, you've got pro rider. How do you keep it all together? <laughs> I mean, um, that's the question that I ask myself, you know, it's definitely, uh, I think it's a juggle that is, it's a wave, you know, the way I like to look at it is like, it's different train stations and different stops. You focus at different things. And right now, you know, we have all gone through this transition of COVID sitting at home. And for myself, that was, you know, that blink of an eye of, oh, that light bulb where it's like, you have this degree in epidemiology, uh, people are suffering from a disease that uh, falls under this field. So how can you help? How can you get back into the medical side of things and getting back to the Medicare side of things of helping the older population figure out the insurance policies and also work with the hospitals and how to track the disease was really how I utilized that time of COVID. So it's not like I'm, I'm snowboarding and doing, you know, medicine or, you know, trying to be a professional snowboarder at the same time, but it's like, how can I maximize the best person I can be and with the opportunities I've been given? Uh, and I've just, I don't know, I've always just had that nagging feeling of how can you keep your pedal on the, you know, down on the meadow. Right, right. Interesting. And and I was going to ask you, like, is this how you've always been? But you just sort of mentioned it. It's like, is that you've just been wired that way? I don't know if I was wired that way, but maybe my programming was just kind of tailored a little bit and twitched that way. What do you mean by that? I think, um, you know, we our worrying is based off our exposures and our experiences. And I think given my circumstances, I look at myself and my siblings and I see from where I started, given to where I am right now, a lot of those transitions and pivots have been created by whether the right people in the, my right corner, uh, the right place at the right time. And yeah, you know, I work hard or I worry about, you know, like any other person in the world, am I doing the right thing? But, you know, a lot of those circumstances are realigned by, you know, that worry aligning with a little bit of hard work, but also in the right place, right time. So my snowboarding is a good pinnacle of that. You know, I never set out to be an Olympic snowboarder, but I did set out to try to be one of the best snowboarders in my town. And, you know, I just happened to be in Jackson Hall and that town just happened to have great snowboarders, including some of my brothers. So I don't know. I think, like I said, my programming has been tailored a little bit. Yeah. You, you know, you, it makes me think of, you know, people can have all the opportunities in front of them Mm -hmm. and they don't, make anything happen. Right. And, and then those other folks who are just extremely resilient and there's this fascinating research across resiliency. So, you know, you know, what, what goes on for people who are just exceptionally resilient and the, the interplay between, you know, personality and just inborn traits with also environment and, you know, whether they are looking at twin studies or, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just very interesting, but, you know, when you were talking about the worry that you have, mm-hmm. What is that really all about for you? What do you worry about? I mean, my, my biggest worry lately is who am I as a person, you know? Uh, I think we all question that, especially, I mean, COVID has brought that out from so many people, but, you know, 
looking at yourself and, you know, either detaching yourself from your accomplishments or detaching yourself from the goals. Um, when I was 18, I dreamt big. When I was 16, I dreamt a little smaller just because the possibilities I saw were a little bit limited. And then 18, it opens up and my dreams were mountains, you know, and these mountains have become my identity. And, you know, who am I as a person who is climbing these mountains? Am I just the individual? Am I the mountains I'm climbing? And how old are you now? I just turned 29. <laughs> Still a baby. But, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. But that's it. You know, I think, and it's interesting because, you know, we tend to ask these sort of existential questions at those marks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so the 18 to 20 and then again, 27 to, to 30. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's it's good. It's a good question to ask. And in, in how do you define yourself? Because, you know, I've talked about this in other episodes of the show, just if you attach yourself to just the outcome or the thing that you do, it doesn't necessarily represent who you are. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, having that sort of bigger purpose and I heard it's come out even in this conversation, you know, around the tutoring and having a, a way to, to help and the care for the elderly in the medical space and the, the pushing of yourself to the biggest version or the, the honoring of the, the folks in your life who've supported you and the gifts that have come. I mean, you don't take anything for granted. It doesn't seem like, <laughs> I mean, I try not to, because uh, I don't know. We all have, as we grow, that idea of like, how did I get here? And for myself, as I evaluate that question over and over again, you know, it's it's hard not to almost like pay it forward just because I can't pay it backwards. Um, I don't know what I did to kind of do deserve, you know, the journey I've had, but like, I'm grateful to be able to, you know, kind of put myself into this space and see how can I put it backwards to, you know, give back what I can't give back. Super honorable. And and then the other part of it too, is it just seems like your, your platform, your ability to do more with this is continues to get bigger. You know, you, you have bigger companies that you're around, you've got, you know, the more degrees you get, the more education you get, the, the bigger impact um, in terms of where you, where you think you want to take things, obviously, um, you know, some things to be determined about Olympics and weather and injuries and what have you, but, mm-hmm. but just if you were to sort of, share your biggest vision of what the next couple of years look like. What is that for you? I mean, I think for myself, you know, the next couple of years is really finalizing that foundation that could create an impact on the world. And I've always kind of had a vision where my snowboarding was the vehicle that can allow me to create that impact. And the more, like you mentioned, like I'm detaching myself from the destination, the more I'm realizing I could be that same vehicle. Um, But for me, you know, not to kind of go too abroad and bring it like very specifically. It's like, it's simple, you know, I have six months to try my best, you know, to get to the best stage of, you know, sports history, which is for ourselves, you know, snowboarding, not only in the world cups or the upcoming world cups, but preparing myself for, you know, a battle of both, you know, mental and physical um, identity, you know, Um, I've set a goal. It's been six years, you know, training pursuing you know pushing myself injuries like you mentioned concussions and uh goals setbacks just to try to push myself to this um you know to this goal this little target and the target is not moving we all know um so for me right now the focus is how can i mentally become the best version of myself so i can get ready to put myself out there at the world stage and perform at the best with other athletes that are trying to do the same Um, and once that's done, you know, really 
the question is, is like, okay, that next goal, how can I continue to push my snowboarding without the idea of I'm pushing my snowboarding just for the Olympics? Yeah. I think, you know, there's, while I hear the, the very laser focused side of you, Mm -hmm. it also feels like you don't leave yourself without some much measure of a net or some other side of you. Right. So I get, you might put the, you know, the medical stuff on the side or whatever projects, mm-hmm. cause this is, you know, getting ready for the Olympics and making sure every, you have every chance to, to get there, uh, that it's in your control, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. Like, you know, I think you are unique in some ways in which like lots of folks who have an identity, they have a side project, they have a hustle, they have another passion. And then some people don't, or some people like they throw it all in, you know? Uh, and I don't know that there's a right and a wrong, but in terms of what you have chosen as your sort of backups or your side projects are they're, they're no joke, right? Medical school is, is not for any, everybody, uh, and much less trying to balance. So I think it's, it's really cool to see. And I think you, you know, we've talked a little bit, uh, you know, you're, your presence, you have a bit of an old soul. There's like a, there's like a wise rolling in there somewhere, uh, that often pops his head out. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the the questions and the things that you've been thinking about and, and, and what you'll do with it, who knows. Right. But, but you've got a lot of the foundation. It feels like in place to, to do great things. And, and, and I think, you know, your head's in the, your head and your heart's in the, in really the right spot. Um, so good luck with all that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and so in terms of, in terms of, um, outside of all this, right. Mm -hmm. Just all that's a lot of fun, a lot of work, a lot of effort. What, what, where do you decompress? What sides do you have of you where, you know, folks may not, even a guess that you're into stuff that you are like surprise me with a couple of, uh, <laughs> Brolin hobbies or habits that we wouldn't necessarily know about. Uh, actually it's funny. Um, last couple, I would say really the last year, especially this summer, I've kind of gone on to this whole soul search, um, journey of like my life. Um, and two things I do is, uh, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big nerd at heart, but like I've become a big historian which is kind of like weird. It's a little bit different from like the sciences and, you know, really the biologies that I kind of, you know, dive deeper into and mm-hmm. um, understanding history. I feel like it's fascinating and passes time pretty well. It's kind of soothing and I've learned how to garden, you know, I think uh, learning how to play with soil is kind of the same as learning science, but it's just a different, different play. You know, people would think it's a little old, but whatever. I have a dog garden. Nice. And <laughs> and then you growing food or flowers, both? I'm doing both. Um, I'm trying to understand like native species in Utah and how to play with those. And also trying to understand uh, how to play with weeds while also growing foods next to them. So just trying to you know, understand how to utilize the soil. And you may know one of my other guests, Karsten Oliver, he's a, he's a pro skier and mountain yeah. biker out of Salt Lake and he's a big gardener. And so, you know, if you don't know him, I'll intro, you guys can, uh, he can, uh, he, he can show you his plot. Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely love to. Um, I don't know. I think people that, you know, it's a good way to free the mind into something else that's like mindless, but you still have to pay attention to it. There's a little bit of old knowledge that you can pick up that, you know, I feel like our generation, we don't really seek out to get, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just at that age where I'm, I'm having a midlife crisis. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just something meditative and therapeutic and, and, yeah. and, and simple about 
putting your hands in the dirt and just intending to something, you know, bigger than yourself. And, you know, around the history side of things, has there been any particular aspect of history you've been geeking out on or just anything, anything's fair game for you? No, I think this is my third year of history. So I started, I started really in the primitive with the Greek era, you know, just to understand the Greek era. And then I went down to the Ottoman empire, went down to the Persians. I I restudied the Egyptian, um, and now I'm just kind of understanding African history and just kind of integrating medicine, you know, how to understand the human body is also understanding the history behind it. And for myself, understanding myself as I grow old and really we're going through those, the sum of identity, who are you, what am I doing? And especially, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not fond of me to, to be aware that I am black and I'm just in a you know, space where, you know, I kind of grew up in Jackson. I grew up now I live in Salt Lake and, so I, I just reached an edge of, you know, who am I as a person, my tribe, where are my roots? Got it. And so, and I want to make sure I caught that. Is it because, you know, as a African and um, a guy with African heritage, I don't know how you describe yourself or you say African-American or you say African descent. What's your, what's your chosen? I'm African. You know? Yeah. Like I'm proud, proud African. Yeah. And so what you were saying is, is, being an African in growing up in Jackson, were you saying that, you know, obviously it's a, it's a fairly homogenous community here. That's, that's not African. Is that what you're kind of driving for? Like, who are you, you know, in addition to the people you've grown up with and, 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 and lived with here in Jackson, as well as I think the community in Salt Lake is probably not much more diverse, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you nailed it right. Like who am I in, in my community, but who am I in my own kind of vessel? You know, I've, um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I I feel like I used to be very outly. Who am I? Like if this was to happen to me at the stage that I'm at, say maybe five years ago, who am I in my friend groups and everything, but really trying to understand who am I in my personal vessel and who am I trying to become is really an understanding of where have I come from and who makes me up. You know, for example, even if it's not my identity that makes that curiosity, it's like, um, I was raised by different parents that were not my own parents. You know, um, I moved a lot. You know, there's a lot of capacities that make me question, well, why do I always, you know, why do I bounce back? Why do I always, you know, even if my environment changes, why, how come my hustle, my drive does not change? And how can I maintain that little fire? So I don't know, weird questions that people should not be asking. I should probably stay, you know, a 20 year old and just, you know, maintain the same thought process, but I feel like if you're going to be flying up in there, you know, putting everything on the line, you should probably, you know, do it, in, do, it do, do it in all aspects of life, throw it out there. Right. Yeah. You know, I think these are the exact questions that, that, that people should challenge themselves to investigate and, you know, and, you know, the nature, the nurture, the, the constant evolution of, of who we are. I mean, that's one of the reasons this, I got inspired to do this, this uh, podcast mm-hmm. is, you know, we have this infinite capacity to, to evolve. And we have, I don't think we have any top end of what we are capable of. And, um, you know, if, if we're curious, if we're reflective and I think, you know, um, who we're influenced by, who, you know, what's innate just in, in, you know, the things that were passed on to us from our families, um, as well as the histories from our more extended families, that stuff that gets rolled down through the generations. I think it's, you know, and you having your family of origin, then you have your family of, of, um, your childhood and the differences. And I mean, it's a fascinating set of layers in there. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I feel like sometimes it's like my brain's moving a thousand miles an hour, you know, there's always both ideas of curiosity and also ideas of like, right, this is what you need to do. Society tells you 
you know, you need to put your head down and make sure, you know, you succeed at all pillars that you, you know, you put down. You know, for example, I look at my my Olympic pursuit, you know, for myself, I, you know, obviously there's societal expectations, but also I have inner expectations, you know, and some of those inner expectations align with the societal expectations, but like, you know, a lot of them kind of could be my own expectations. And where does that, you know, differentiate? I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really important thing for people to pay attention to is, is cause there's, there could be overlap between what society wants and what you and genuinely do want. And mm-hmm. then there could be what you do want and society says, no, no, that's not for you mm-hmm. uh, or vice versa. And I think people constantly reevaluating that and paying attention to where are their motivations and who's really behind, you know, the actions and making sure it's you uh, most of the time, or your trusted advisors, the people that you keep in your corner that, that can help you see your blind spots or can, can turn you a couple of degrees when you drift. I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Look, Brolin, it's so great to get a chance to, to talk to you and to tap into all these things and put a, put a few of these thoughts for others to hear because mm-hmm. as someone who's gotten to know you over the years, it's like, you know, the layers and the, the depth and the interesting things that all happen under one, one head of hair there. It's, it's great to see. And, and look, all the best in, in whatever life throws uh, and looking forward to seeing you hopefully on the big screen uh, in the next Olympics. And uh, crossed, yeah. yeah and, and then all the good work that you're going to do for us in the world of medicine and who knows what else. So uh, safe drive down to Salt Lake. And thanks again for joining the show. Thank you so much, Aaron. And thank you so much for having me and for your audience to you know, be able to share this space. I'm grateful. Thank you. All right, my friend. Take care. You as well. The Trailbreaker Podcast is created by Aaron Feinberg with production support provided by Michael Morey. More interviews and videos can be found at AaronFeinberg.com.